we are going to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church. So these are first two statements in the profession of faith. I believe in God, uh, the Father Almighty, and in, and then will follow. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy and the Holy Catholic Church. We will break our class into um, well a talk about the Holy Spirit and then a talk about the Holy Catholic Church. So now let's start with I believe in the Holy Spirit. So this is a common depiction of the Holy Spirit, um, the dove. I think this was, this was taken from the stained glass in St. Peter's uh, Basilica at the Vatican. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Blessed Trinity. So mm, we give the Holy Spirit various names. Um, and we see them in, in the Bible. We read about it. So what are these names? We have as first, no, the Holy Spirit is called as a gift. The Holy Spirit is called a gift because the Father and the Son send him to us gratuitously. The Spirit comes to dwell in our hearts. He comes in order to remain always with us. From him come all graces and gifts, the greatest of which is eternal life together with the other divine persons. Then another name for the Holy Spirit is Lord and Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is God. Just, this, uh, just as Jesus Christ, the Son is God and God the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is also God and that's why we call him Lord and Spirit of God. Another name we call the Holy Spirit is the yeah. Spirit of Truth because it teaches us all that Christ has revealed in its fullness and he guides and sustains the church in the truth. And that is why when the Pope talks uh, or issues a, a dogma, we are asked to believe it because we know that the Holy Spirit uh, makes sure that what the Pope releases as a dogma is true. We also call the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. What does paraclete mean? Derived from the Greek word parakletos, which means somebody who helps, a helper, a comforter, an advocate. So the Holy Spirit is the other paraclete promised by Christ because Christ is the first paraclete. The Greek text of the Bible from where the Holy Scriptures came from speaks of the other paraclete and not a distinct paraclete to stress the communion 
and continuity between Christ and the Holy Spirit. And then we go to uh, the various symbols for the Holy Spirit. So what are the various symbols? This uh, picture is, I, I think this is also at the Vatican. The Holy Trinity is depicted here. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and God the Father. So what are the various symbols used to depict the Holy Spirit? Uh, the living water, because uh, which springs from the wounded heart of Christ, and which quenches the thirst of the baptized. And then the anointing with oil also which is the sacramental sign of confirmation. And then also fire, because fire transforms what it touches. The Holy Spirit is supposed to transform us. And then they also use the cloud, whether it be dark or luminous, because it shows the divine glory. And then the imposition of the hands also uh, is how the Holy Spirit is given. Um, I think in the sacrament of holy orders, the, the bishop places his hands over the, ha the heads of the deacons in order to call forth the Holy Spirit onto the deacons. And with that, they are made into, into priests. And then lastly, the dove, which is very popular. Um, the dove which descended on Christ at his baptism and remained with him. So what is the mission of the Holy Spirit? So the third person of the Blessed Trinity is at work with the Father and the Son from the beginning to the completion of the, plan, of the plan for our salvation. So we see in the incarnation that through the action of the Holy Spirit, the Son of God became man in the most pure womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then we also saw, see the Holy Spirit during the anointing of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. We see this during his baptism in the river in the River Jordan by Saint John the Baptist. Lastly, during Pentecost, Christ revealed the Spirit in his teaching, fulfilled the promises made to the Father, and bestowed him upon the church at its birth when he breathes on the apostles after the resurrection. On Pentecost, the Spirit was sent to remain continually in the church, the mystical body of Christ, vivifying the church, guiding the church with his gifts and his presence. The church is also said to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. So this is a picture, a depiction of Pentecost. We see the Holy Spirit there, symbol, the dove, and 
the Holy Spirit going to each of the 12 apostles and the Blessed Mother there. We see the tongues of fire on the head of the apostles. The Spirit descended on the apostles and the first disciples, showing with external signs the giving of life to the church founded by Christ. The, the vivifying of the church by the Holy Spirit guarantees that all that Christ said and taught during the days he lived on earth until his ascension is always preserved without loss and ever more deeply understood. So through the sacraments, the Spirit sanctifies the church and the faithful and enables the church to continually bring souls to God. How does the Holy Spirit and Christ act in the church? They act in the church through the sacraments. So Christ communicates his spirit to the members of his body and offers them God's grace, which bears the fruit of new life in the spirit. So for us Christians or ordinary people, the sacraments that we receive very often is the sacrament of confession and the Eucharist. Through this, we receive graces from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit builds, animates, and sanctifies the church as the spirit of love. He restores to the baptized the living likeness that was lost through sin, and causes them to live in Christ, the very life of the Holy Trinity. He sends them forth to bear witness to the truth of Christ, and he organizes them in their respective functions, so that all might bear the fruit of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit also grants special graces to some Christians for the good of the whole church. Maybe for us, these Christians are the saints, who receive special graces because God asked um, special things from them. He sent them these special graces so they may be able to fulfill uh, that special something that our Lord God is asking from them. He is also the teacher who reminds all Christians what Christ revealed. So now we will go to the church. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. So this is a picture of um, St. Peter's Cathedral in the Vatican. So this is a building, but this is not the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is comprised of, of people, of you and me, the priest, the Holy Father, of um, all the Christians here on, on earth. So we go first to the revelation of the church. So the church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which means the people God calls and gathers together from all over the world 
to form the assembly of those who, through faith in his word and baptism, have become children of God, members of Christ, and temple of the Holy Spirit. In sacred scripture, the church receives a number of different names, each of which expresses some particular aspect of the mystery of the communion of God with mankind. So one name of the church is people of God. It is the title that Israel received. No? They are the people of God because our Lord Jesus Christ came from, from Israel. But it is also applied to the church. There's also new Israel. It signifies that God did not choose to save men as isolated individuals, but rather by making them into one people gathered into unity by the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they might acknowledge him in truth and serve him in holiness. It also signifies that the church has been chosen by God as a visible community among the nations, journeying towards its final homeland. In these people all have the com common dignity of being God's children, a common mission to be salt of the earth, and a common end, which is the kingdom of God. Another name given to the church is body of Christ. We mean that Christ, by sending the Holy Spirit, unites the faithful to himself in an intimate way, especially in the Eucharist. By this term, body of Christ, we also express that the health or infirmity of any member has repercussion on the whole body and that the faithful as members of Christ are his instruments for acting in the world. So here, maybe we can relate the communion of the saints. So that is why we ask for prayers uh, from our friends and from each other, knowing that they do help us because we are one body in Christ. And then the church is also known as the bride of Christ. This term highlights both the union and the distinction between Christ and his church. So Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. So this name also implies that God's covenant with mankind is definitive. Because God is faithful to his promises, and the church, in turn, faithfully corresponds by being a fruitful mother of all the sons and daughters of God. Because for us Catholics, marriage is forever. So you're the bride of Christ. You will forever be the bride of Christ. And Christ will forever be your bridegroom. And that is how God is faithful to his promise. We also call the church temple of the Holy Spirit because he lives in the body of Christ 
in the body of the church and builds it up in charity through the word of God. The sacraments, the virtues, and the charisms which he sends. So this implies that each Christian is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So the charisms are special gifts of the Holy Spirit which are bestowed on individuals for the good of others, the needs of the world, and in particular for the building up of the church. So the church was not founded by men, nor is it a noble human response to the work of salvation achieved by God in Christ. In the mysteries of Christ's life, the man anointed by the Spirit fulfill the promises announced in the law and by the prophets. So the church is also known as communion. This term indicates that the church is the extension to mankind of the intimate communion of the Blessed Trinity and that on earth she is already in communion with the Trinity, though not yet in all its fullness. So the church is for all men and women the sign and instrument of this communion. Through the church, we participate in God's intimate life and belong to God's family as sons in the Son through the Spirit. This is accomplished specifically in the sacraments, especially the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, which we also call communion. The church is also called communion because she engenders in her faithful a spirit of prayer. When we pray together or we pray by ourselves, we are in communion with other people or other with the other faithful of the church who are also praying. So what is the mission of the church? The mission is to proclaim and establish among all people the kingdom of God inaugurated by Christ. The Lord sent out his apostles to preach the gospel, baptize, and teach all nations to observe what he had commanded. So the Lord gave his church the same mission that the church that. God the Father had entrusted to him. So from the church's beginning, this mission was accomplished by all Christians, even with the sacrifice of their lives in many cases. So the Lord's missionary mandate has its source in the eternal love of God, who sent his Son and his Spirit because he wanted all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We see in the history of the church that Christians have taken uh, this to heart, this mission to heart. And we remember, you know, for me, what comes to mind is the first Filipino saint, San Lorenzo Ruiz, who went to Japan in order to help uh, spread the good news to the people in Japan. And there, together with, with other missionaries, they suffered martyrdom. So what are 
the three main functions of the church on earth. First is to proclaim the good news of salvation of Christ. Second is to make present and transmit the saving life of Christ through the sacraments. And that is where we see uh, receiving the sacraments in, in the physical structure of the church. These are conformed to Christ, the head of the church, in a specific and exclusive manner through the sacrament of orders. So some are called to the priesthood. How about us? I think for us, God has called us to live our lives in the middle of the world like the early Christians, transforming the ordinary to ex extraordinary because of the intention we place when we perform our everyday tasks. So that is what I think which, um, our Lord is calling us to. He has not called us to, to be a priest or to um, be a, a nun or to be a monk. He has called us to live our Christian life in the middle of the world. So what are the characteristics of the church? We were saying that the church is one, the church is holy, and the church is Catholic, and the church is apostolic. I was saying that in the, in the creed, we say, I believe in, the, in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. The church is one because she has as her source and exemplar the unity of the trinity of persons in one God. The unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's why it is, it is one. And as her founder and head, Jesus reestablished the unity of all people in one body. As her soul... The Holy Spirit unites all the faithful in communion with Christ. It's shown by the fact that the faithful profess the same faith, celebrate the same sacraments, are united in a single hierarchy, and have one common hope and one and the same charity. So I suppose before the pandemic uh, hit, hit the world, people were flying all over. I think it moves us to, to see that wherever we go in the world, if we make the effort to go to Sunday Mass, we will see that the Mass in Europe is the same as the Mass that we celebrate here in the Philippines and is the same as the Mass that is celebrated in America or in Australia. Maybe the language differs, but the, how it is celebrated is the same. The sequence, what they do. So that shows us the, that the church is one. We can help foster unity by drawing closer to Christ, ourselves, and helping other Christians to come closer to him. We should try to seek unity in what is necessary freedom in what is not essential, and charity in everything. So this is how we should strive to relate to our brothers in the faith who are not 
uh, Roman Catholics. So the ecumenical movement is an ecclesial task by which the restoration of unity among Christians is sought in the one and only church founded by Christ. It is achieved through prayer, conversion of heart, fraternal knowledge, and theological dialogue. What does the church's holy mean? It means that the all-holy God is her author. Christ has given himself for her to sanctify her and make her the fountain of sanctification and the Holy Spirit vivifies her with charity. Since she has the fullness of the means of salvation, holiness is the vocation of each of her members and the aim of all her activity. She, when we say she, we are referring to the church. The church is holy because she constantly yields the fruit of holiness on earth and because her holiness is the source and sanctification of her children. Although here on earth all must recognize themselves as sinners ever in need of conversion and purification, the church's faithful are called to strive always to grow in holiness by personal conversion and the struggle to become more like Christ. So we are not saying that the church is holy because its members are holy. We are saying that the church is holy because the founder of the church is God and God is holy. So the church is holy also because of the holiness attained by her members who are in heaven, especially the holiness of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints in heaven are our models and intercessors. So there we should listen to the call to always strive and grow in holiness by personal conversion and the struggle to become more like Christ each day. This is the third uh, characteristics or essential properties of the church. The church is Catholic. Catholic means universal. Because Christ is present in her, and she herself preserves and administers all the means of salvation entrusted to her by Christ. A treasure she has received and transmits with total integrity. She is universal because her mission embraces the whole human race. And she has the capacity to adapt to every setting and any culture. So we see that unfolding before our eyes. We see the church in Africa able to adapt to the culture there. We see the church in Japan. And we also see the church in Korea. Because the church is universal, the church is for everybody, wherever you are. 
whatever your culture may be. And then lastly, the church is apostolic. The church is apostolic because Christ built her on the apostles who were chosen to be witnesses of the resurrection and the foundation of his church. And because with the assistance of the Holy Spirit, she teaches, watches over, and faithfully transmits the deposit of faith received from the apostles. So the church is apostolic also by reason of her structure, since she is taught, sanctified, and guided until the second coming of Christ by the apostles and their successors, the bishops, in communion with the successor of Peter. So apostolic succession is the transmission by means of the sacrament of holy orders of the mission and power of the apostles to their successors and bishops. So that is why also the church is apostolic. The, the priests that we have all come uh, from a direct line uh, to Peter. It's the bishop who performs the sacrament of holy orders on the priest. That bishop receives his power from the Holy Father who was chosen in an unbroken chain from the very first pope who is Saint Peter. All of us, according to our state in life, share in the mission received by the apostles to bring the gospel to the whole world. So the Christian vocation, my vocation, your vocation, by its very nature, is a vocation to the apostolate. It is to act like apostles of, of Christ, to bring Christ to the other. 